This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mento LLC. Mento LLC Trade Consulting focuses on issues of duty minimization, recovery, and elimination, while also helping our clients with trade compliance issues of both the import and export nature and global cargo security. You can reach us at 978-317-3250 or email me directly at pete.mento at Mento LLC. From Washington, D.C., this is Trade Geek Podcast with your host, Pete Mento. You know, I believe it was Homer Simpson who said that working is for suckers. You may be right, but, um, you know, the longer I stay in this job of mine, in this industry of mine, the more I start to think that paying tariffs is for suckers whether it's recovering them through drawback, post-entry adjustments, working first sale, looking for ways to reclassify products. Uh, It just seems that there's this complete underworld of people like me working for people like you, trying to find ways to make tariffs go bye-bye. And one of the ways that folks really don't talk about too often is the use of the miscellaneous tariff bills and how you can, in very specific situations, eliminate a tariff altogether. It's not exactly easy. I mean, you've got to find some way to show that it's only going to limit about a half a million dollars worth of tariffs for you, um, that there isn't any domestic um, competition, and that it's not going to cause too much of a ruckus by doing so. But when you can pull it off, it is very powerful. I mean, it can eliminate or significantly reduce the amount of duties that you pay. And it's, it's a regulatory issue. I mean, you do it through Congress. That's pretty powerful. And for those of you who don't know, the last chapter of the tariff, chapter 99, is, shall we say, replete with all kinds of past, um, you know, past wins by all kinds of importers that have pulled this kind of thing off. And this week, we are joined again by my old friend, Sarah Bowersox, she of the footwear world. And, um, you know, we talked about how footwear is uh, one of the companies that, that lives off this. But really, we, we didn't talk so much about footwear as we got into MTB and how it could be coming back, how companies can benefit from it. And how most companies don't realize that big or small, there's an opportunity for them all. And there could be something there for you. So this just goes to show you, it doesn't really matter who you are. It just matters whether or not you want to put the work in when it comes to saving money on this stuff. So give it a listen. And I think this might be one of those times where you might want to take out a pad and a pen or highlight the areas of the podcast, because there could be some money in this one for you. So without further ado, my good friend and queen of all things footwear, Sarah Bowersocks. All right, back on the Trade Geek podcast with the queen of footwear, Sarah Bowersocks. And today we are going to talk about the great fleecing of the American taxpayer, the miscellaneous tariff bill. I joke when I say the great fleecing of the American taxpayer because this is probably, I think, I think, 
me, I think, something that makes a little more sense than most things. Um, the miscellaneous tariff bill. Now, this is the part where you're going to correct me when I say something wrong over and over again. Are you ready for that? Sir? First, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm well. I'm well, I'm safe, I'm dry, I'm, I have power now. <laughs> <laughs> when did we talk last? You were on a while ago. Uh, it was a couple months ago, at least, yeah. at least three months ago. It is painfully Arctic cold here. What is it like in Oregon? Well, it's actually quite nice. Like the last couple of days, we've gotten up above 55 in the mid-afternoon and it's even been dry and I've had some lovely walks with the dog. Um, oh. But we did have a huge snowstorm a couple of weeks ago, right. and um, the power was out at my house for about 20 hours. But it was out uh, at my at our uh, our COO was out with the, without power for seven days, oh, and yeah. several other keeners were out for multiple days. So it's it was a rough uh, it was a rough week. Is that what you call yourself at Keen Footwear Keeners? Keeners. Yep. Keeners. Okay. Well, I do have a number of pairs of Keens now in my life. Um, I do wear them. They are very sturdy shoes. I, I wear them in the weather that we have had lately that is cold enough to kill you if you're exposed to it for too long. My feet are warm and dry and toasty. So I can tell you from personal experience, they work. They work very well. And that dovetails very nicely with the uh, discussion of the miscellaneous trade bill. And yes. We'll talk does. about that in a little bit. Okay. So um, let's just get right to it, right? So there's there are a number of ways aside from... Um, classification and aside from free trade agreements that one may find themselves able to avoid paying a tariff, right? Or, or recovering a tariff. But something people don't really talk too much about is this idea of legislative relief. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. So um, I know in the last go around of the miscellaneous tariff bill, people kind of got woke to it. I think a lot of folks that didn't know it existed suddenly found out about it and um, a big reason for that was either the existence of or the pending 301 tariffs from uh, the past president and his administration. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how this wonderful, wonderful uh, legislative relief opportunity came into your life. How did you fall in love with the miscellaneous tariff bill? <laughs> how did I fall in love? You know, I honestly, I didn't really even know about it until... 2012. So in 2012, there were some miscellaneous trade bill um, duty provisions put in place for footwear, um, which is very exciting because footwear here in the U.S. is typically excluded from free trade agreements. It's not in GSP. You know, we're, we kind of get shafted all the time and we have this crazy high average duty rate. Um, so this exciting opportunity came along where for certain types of footwear, um, if you had the right tariff code and then you hit the right additional parameters, you could get a substantially reduced duty rate. And it was very exciting. At the time, at that time, I was at Nike and most of the MTV provisions were not for um, Nike-ish shoes. They were for different types of shoes. Um, you know, think like work boots and, and that type of stuff. So it wasn't really useful for us. But for the first time, it was kind of this crack, this open door with a light shining through saying, hey, we might be able to, you know, save um, money and save duty rates on on technical footwear. Um, and then those expired. So the MTVs are only good for three years. So 2012, you know, and then they die and then they come back up again. So the next round, by the time the next round fired up, 
um, and we were looking at getting petitions in, I was at Keene. And um, shortly after I joined Keene, the Outdoor Industry Association invited me to join their Trade Advisory Council. And their big push at the time I came on board was getting petitions in for the next round of MTBs. So because there had been footwear in the past, we decided footwear as an industry and you know, FDRA had a huge push for this as well. We decided to submit as many petitions as we could get people to submit petitions <laughs> and kind of blanket chapter 64 with, um, with as many petitions as we could get in. So I actually put a couple together for Keen. Um, so if you, you know, look in miscellaneous trade bill lore, you look online, you will see some, um, you will see the keen name in there for certain types of footwear and the reason i mentioned your feet being warm and dry is that the examples that we had were for leather upper footwear with a waterproof insulated lining so super warm super sturdy the kind of stuff you wear when you're trucking around in the snow um, we set that up um, as an example and and requested not eliminated duty but we requested reduced duty on that and we did get that for a few styles so you won. It made a few dis it, yeah it made a few, it made a big difference so that's the thing i think people have to understand right so let's go let's go through some details all right the you don't always get a, a, an elimination sometimes nope. sometimes you only get a reduction and you can request a reduction or sometimes the government i believe gives you a reduction rather than an elimination correct you can ask for the moon and they will give you what they think is fair after they finish their evaluation. Yeah. And, um, you know, the first, first things first is you have to be able to show or you have to make an argument that there's no domestic competition. Right. And that's, yeah. that's something that's always blown me away, right? Because when I've done these, and that last round was madness, it felt like there were barbarians at the gate. I mean, everybody was just throwing. We had so much business, Sarah, doing these things. We had... So many clients that came to us and we rethrew everything at it that we possibly could. And we had um, every conceivable type of opportunity that we would, we threw it at the USTR, you know? Um, and then proving that it didn't have domestic competition, we really went by the words of our clients and waited for someone to tell us we were wrong. And I'm and not you sure. did have people telling you you were yeah. wrong, right? Because oh, yeah. there's yeah. lots of objections that, so once you, you submit your petition, to the ITC and, you know, they ask you, you know, basic stuff like what's the tariff number, who are you, um, you know, information about your petitioner information, the product description, the country of origin, the value, all this kind of stuff you have to gather basically based on your import data, you put together a submission. Um, and then you also have to say, interestingly enough, who would the other beneficiaries of this be? Yeah. So. For me, I mean, here I am in Portland, Oregon, Sheetown, USA. So, I mean, right down the road from us is Columbia Sportswear and Danner Boot, and they also make, you know, outdoor products. So, you know, we were kind of all in the same boat. And frankly, we were in cahoots, you know, working together with various submissions so that at the footwear industry as a whole would kind of, like I said, we would blanket the chapter of the tariff with submissions that would ultimately um, you know, as I said many times during the process, 
the rising tide floats all boats, right? So if there's duty savings out there in footwear and you are a footwear maker and you have a wide spectrum of products, there's going to be something in there you can use, even if it's not yours. That's yeah. the other call out you need to make is you're not limited to using your own miscellaneous trade bill. You yeah. can use anything that's out there. And there could be something from the past that might be available. But like you said, it's only last for a while. Um, right. You know, I'll be out for a little while. And then that's something else you mentioned that people might not realize. This is public information. It's out there in the public domain. That makes some people feel uncomfortable. But I don't know if it really ought to. If, you, if you've got the gumption to go out there and fight for it, you should be comfortable talking about it in public. Too. Well, I would suggest, and I think most brands do this, you don't file a miscellaneous trade bill petition for a sensitive new product. Yeah. You file it on your bread and butter. You know, like I said, the example of Keen, submitting petitions for waterproof, leather upper, outdoor footwear. That's our bread and butter. We've been making it for a long time. That's not a surprise to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not like, oh, look at what Keen's doing now and they're trying to get reduced duty on it. You know, that there's no business secrets being revealed. True. Yeah. And you're going to get pushback. Well, I shouldn't say you're going to. A lot of people get a lot of pushback and anything from organized labor to just domestic competition. Um, lots yeah. of retail folks, just, it's shocking the number of people I was not expecting to see get pushback with you. But some of the pushback, um, as we frustratingly found out, is not necessarily valid. Um, but I know one of the examples um, that my friends at Columbia often cite is they filed for a certain type of technical outdoor footwear. And the objection that they received back cited the example of a woman's leather dress, you know, pump type shoe. Mm-hmm. So really apples and oranges and and totally different places in the tariff um, as well. Um, so a lot of the objections were also filed in this sort of blanket approach where, um, you know, domestic competition was feeling threatened and they felt like they should object to everything. Um, and, and honestly, I don't, I don't pin that on the brands. I don't think the brands are making that decision. I think they brought somebody in to help them with that process who recommended a blanket approach. Whereas I think that it would have been more effective if they had been more targeted. Um, you know, they probably would have gotten, you know, maybe more success on the ones that were really important to them. And an adjustment that happens, you know, so the ITC gets in there, Department of Commerce gets in there, CBP gets in there to look at administrability. You know, can they actually vet these in the way that we've written the MTBs? All of those folks have have input. So if you come in and you're asking for, you know, a total duty elimination, um, and then you get a lot of domestic pushback, customs might still see it as a good case, but maybe they would just reduce your duty by 10% instead of giving you total duty elimination. So that, you know, that kind of adjustment factor is in there and that allows for, you know, people to have some satisfaction for, you know, protesting those that, you know, they may not get everything they want, but they might get something. So, you know, sit down with your ACE data or ITRAC data, hopefully ACE, and go through these and figure out where the bang for the buck is and where you have an opportunity. But are, is there anything happening right now? You know, it's 2021 and- Yeah, they're suspended. It's super, yeah. super sad. At the end of 2020, that that window of opportunity closed. Um, it was, it's sad for me because now, you know, every month when I 
ran previously through 2020 and through 2019, I would run my A-State at the end of the month and I'd get to tally up how much money we saved by leveraging MTBs. And, you know, some months it was a really big number. And at the end of the year, it was a heck of a pizza party. But, you know, now I don't have that. So it, it's sad. And realistically, you know, Congress getting around to making a decision on this and really considering it. I mean, we've been told optimistically in Q2 so we would potentially lose. And again, this is a set three-year period. So if we eat up a big chunk of 2021, we don't get that back. That means less time to get that low duty rate. Um, and that's painful. Um, but one of the call-outs I want to make, we talked a lot about the petition process, but anyone can use these. So the best thing to do is once you start hearing buzz about the miscellaneous trade bill being under consideration is to get a hold of that list from ITC of which tariff codes are available and, and what MTBs are out there and bounce that against your parts database. Because if you have anything that is in there you know, you need to take a hard, sharp look at that and determine if you can leverage that. It, it's not strictly the tariff code, it's the tariff code plus certain other parameters. So you have to be prepared for that. But once, you know, if you have anything on there, you can go ahead and use it and you can save that money. So, but you have to know about it. it it's kind of like a secret coupon. One of my favorite um, ex-wife stories when I was with Tradewind, there are many, uh, Lisa is an incredible writer and a very fast typist. And when we had figured out that we were able to pull down these eye track reports, and I'm talking, this is early days, 2001, 2002 or so, I gave her the list of all of the harmonized tariff codes that had a chapter 99 exception. And I had her create an Excel spreadsheet with all of them in it. And then we did a database where we could bounce off people's stuff so that we can say to them, you've got something, you want us to take a look to see if there could be something. And, and that's the thing. You don't always have a one-to-one -one match. But no. I remember she, she did that for me. She said, am I getting paid? I said, no, I'm getting paid for it. It's going to, don't worry, it's trickle-down economics. It'll all work out. But she was such a quick typist. She knocked it out so fast. Um, but, you know, we'd come up with stuff for people and then you'd look a little deeper and find out that's it, the, the tariff numbers may match but the description is so off that there's no way we'd be able to apply these one-to-one -one. yeah you really have to look at the fine print it's it's definitely a read the fine print kind of scenario but start you know start at the tariff code just see what's in there i mean i can't tell you the number of times in the last few years where i've talked to somebody who was just completely unaware and they went in there and they said oh my gosh you know yeah. look at that there's yeah. there's stuff in there and if you do that and you find out and you already have stuff come in, you can fix it in post-entry. That's right. Yeah, you expect questions, <laughs> expect questions from our friends at CBP when you mm -hmm. do that. Um, I am a, a big user of that because I don't have a lot of high-tech bells and whistles in my um, classification space here at Keene. So, um, you know, sometimes I just, I send a list to my broker and I leave something off. You know, it's, it's my bad. Um, it doesn't get caught. If I catch it, I do ask for post-entry corrections. I know this round, shortly after the MTBs were approved, um, I had kind of a rash of those and I got a lot of pushback.
from CBP. I got mm -hmm. some 28s. I also just got a lot of emails by people saying, dude, why are you off your game? <laughs> wow. Well, no one wants to give money back ever. So no one wants to give money back, but it is as long as it's legit, it's totally fine to do that. I'm just like I said, don't expect it to be, you know, completely smooth sailing. You're going to have to explain yourself a few times and, you know, probably beg forgiveness. Sure. You know, and brokers aren't necessarily looking for these. So don't be shocked if they weren't looking at the little asterisks next to the code and looking at the 99 for you. Yes. Yeah. And I am, I'm not up to speed on what how how this manifests itself in various um you know abi systems so yeah. um that that would actually be something i would like to learn more about um so that i can kind of structure my work to fit their work and make it a little bit easier you are such a nerd that is like an irredeemably nerdy thing i want to learn more about abi systems you, you need to <laughs> modern you need to get out <laughs> modern abi systems yeah. I yeah, mean, I've, you, I've been around them, but it's been a while. So you need to get out is what you need to do. You need to go out to dinner tonight with your husband. So there's a pandemic, Pete. You can't <laughs> do that. Not in New Hampshire. You know, we're pretty good. So you can do whatever you want now. We're not like Texas, but we're pretty close. That's why we have a 3% unemployment rate. So um, I, I have to get to my three questions, unfortunately. Okay. It's coming up on time, but you've already I'm answered ready. the first three questions, which means. You are the first guest to get the second three questions. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little hesitant. We'll see Don't how be. this goes. Okay. okay. So if you can remember, what was the first tape, cassette, eight track, LP, or CD that you ever bought? So the first, the first record I you ever bought. I do remember. Okay. okay so uh, it was um, the band Berlin. Nice. I was just talking about them the other day. This oh is why we get along. This is ah, why we get along. Okay, so it was Berlin. All right. Yeah. Um, so they had the big song. On I can the still see the cassette. Like, I mean, yeah. I like there were, it was white with like color stripes on it. Yeah, I got the whole was thing. It, so was it before they were on the Top Gun soundtrack or was it after? Oh, way before. Way yeah. Before. Okay. All right. That's awesome. Do you remember, was it um, a tape or a, or a LP? It was a cassette. Yeah. Cassette. cassette tape. And why did you get it? Was there one particular song or? I, I used to listen to when I was at that age, um, like a young, late tween, young teen. Um, I used to listen to like a, a radio station in Seattle that was sort of new wave, but it was really like kind of punk new wave. And just, I had heard this, a song on the radio and I thought it was really cool. And I wanted to hear the rest of the, the what, what else they had to sing. So yeah, I was in the car with Jen and we were talking about, we were listening to of all things, Huey Lewis radio. He plays, he, he was doing the top, the top 20 wedding songs of the 1980s and take my breath away. And I'm like, this is the worst song they ever did. First of all, second of all, like they turned the whole band into one person, kind of like what, what Gwen Stefani did with No Doubt. Like there was more to this band than her, and they just turned it into her. I had this whole you had a rant, whole soliloquy <laughs> rant about Brooklyn. So, uh, okay, so that's question number one. Okay, See? question number two. You have to make a choice. All right, between living the rest of your life without a cell phone, or living the rest of your life without condiments. Now, think about this. That means you can't add anything to something the way it comes. No, no, no. This is a no contest. This phone can go in the garbage right now. Okay. 
All right. Yeah. So you would. I choose spicy mustard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. So I, I have to have cream in my coffee. I have to have mustard yes. and relish on my hot dog. I have to have salt and butter on my popcorn. I have to have sriracha. Like, I mean, I, yeah. what are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. Screw the um, cell phone. There seems to be an age where this changes, where people who remember living without one are a little more likely to have it. But when I tell people no, no, you know, when sushi comes, as sushi comes, there's nothing else. And ketchup is not on French fries anymore, right? Yeah, that, no, that's right? crazy. So I don't need a cell phone. I've lived without it. All right. Number three, you can have any superpower that is currently a superpower of any superhero that I know of. And I'm a nerd. Okay. So I'm going to know them all. You get to pick a superpower. What is that superpower? Okay, so can I go, can I go, can I lateral to Harry Potter? Sure, you can be magical. Okay, because I would like the ability to apparate. What does apparate mean? So that's when you just disappear from here and you're instantly where you need like to teleport. be. teleport. You want to be able to teleport from places. Yeah, so yeah, I want to be like, uh, who's the, oh, now I can't remember the name of the character. The X-Men guy, Nightcrawler, Night yeah. Yes. You want to be able to go from one place to another. But Nightcrawler has to be able to see where he's going, right? He has or, to know what yes. it looks like. Or he I has don't to know. be with someone who, know, who knows that. Or be with someone who knows. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the Harry Potter rules are. I think the Harry Potter universe doesn't spell that out. But when my kids who are now, you know, my youngest is 16 when they were young and reading Harry Potter for the first time as a parent who was spending all of my time shuttling them around to different things. I was like, oh man, I wish I could just apparate you to soccer practice. Then I apparate out of there and get back home and do some work or clean something or, you know, have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> and then I could apparate back and pick you up and I wouldn't have to spend that 45 minutes in the car each way. That would That's be a what I go for. Of a of a superpower, yeah, I like that one. No, normally, I get either um, when I I have a whole list of questions I ask people because I'm tired of them talking about work. You get a lot of invulnerability where people can never, you know, you just can't be hurt. A lot mm. of flight. People want to be able to fly, which I think is pretty cool. A lot of invisibility is another one. I wonder what those people are up to. Why do they want to be? Yeah, invisible? anyone who says invisibility, you are immediately suspect. Why do you want to be invisible? <laughs> Do you want to go steal things? Or what kind of a hider are you? I, yeah. You know, why be invisible? I'm. Yeah. No, I just want to be either you know the ability to transport myself or to be super fast. That that would be very. That would helpful. just yeah save so much time. Yeah, I wish I could play music on my podcast so I could take this out with Berlin because that would have been just fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who are like, I don't even know who Berlin is. Well, now they're gonna look yes. it up. You have to go now they're gonna. Yeah, we'll have to see that. There's got to be some way we can find out if there was more iTunes hits for Take My Breath. Yes, away. or if they have a spike in sales, I think that, you know, they you and I should take credit yeah. for that. My, my <laughs> One of my buddies I played rugby with, his little brother won The Voice the first season. Really? Yeah, and he, um, one of the songs that he sang was um, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. And hmm. he sang it with her for the final. And um, I guess like she sent him a fruit basket or something or flowers and said, thank you, because the single just blew up on iTunes when they did it. Nice. There he is. His name was Javier Cologne. And um, aside from being a really nice guy, he can really sing.
So uh, well, I cannot. So I will not be singing Berlin's Berlin, greatest hits no. for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily you can't sing, but you are one amazing trade compliance professional. And thank you for taking time to talk about the miscellaneous tariff bill, miscellaneous trade bill uh, with us on Trade Geek. I always love talking to you. And uh, yeah, well, I hope people are paying attention. You know, we hope this happens in 2021. The floodgates will open. Everybody will get a, an opportunity to save money again. Yep. Um, so pay Call attention. Your Call your congressman. Absolutely. Do something about this. Say you want your MTBs. I want my MTBs. <laughs> and I want my money for nothing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. It was great talking to you, Sarah. We'll talk again soon. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.